This is Pastor Matt Harmless, and you're listening to another episode of Edgewood Sermon Audio. This is the Sunday School from December the 10th, 2023, and this is the Decision-Making Series by Pastor Paul, and this is Decision-Making Part 8, and it's the final Decision-Making Lesson of the year 2023. Hopefully, this will help you make good decisions in the year 2024. Um, whoa, there we are. Um, the handout for this week is the same as last week. So those of you who brought your handout from last week that we started, that's what we're going to finish. Will's going to walk around and pass out handouts for those who would like a, another copy. So go ahead and do that, Will. All right. Good to see everybody here. All right, raise your hand if you're wanting a handout. Mr. John's wanting a handout there. Thank you. So just a reminder, to, we're going to, today we finish the decision-making series. Next Sunday at this hour, we're going to have our end-of-the-year um, business meeting. Um, I'll announce that again uh, at, in the beginning of our service, but we need, we're going to be approving a budget to operate on in January. We're going to be uh, receiving a few people as members and also um, announcing any uh, officers that need to be voted on for the, the coming year. So, it seems like there's a, some kind of hubbub going over on my side of the corner here. <laughs> Clowns. <laughs> okay, everybody got a handout that wants a handout. All right, let's begin with a word of prayer and then we will dive back in. God, I thank you for the grace that you give to us every day. And I thank you for um, this uh, material that has helped me that uh, many different men have helped me think through decision-making and how to be um, thinking biblically about making decisions. And uh, I just thank you for your word that is sufficient for our life. If, If my friends here leave this series with nothing more than, if the only thing they remember from this is that they need to consider your word in making their decisions, then um, I'll be happy. And God, I know you would be pleased that people would love your word even more. We just thank you that it's your word that brings you to us. Help us never to minimize the value of that. In Jesus' name, amen. 
um, saw something over the weekend, I don't know, picking on is the right word, criticizing people of the book like us that love the Bible, we love Jesus, they, they, they criticize, they think that we put too much emphasis on this and not the person behind it, the father, son. And I think that's a misguided criticism because I do love this. You know why I love this? Because these are God's very words. And how does God bring himself to me? It's by his spirit through this. Without this, I do not know the Son or the Spirit. I know the Father exists and made me, but apart from that, I know, I don't know the one behind this book. So if anybody ever criticizes you for loving the Bible too much, it isn't that these words are just words. These are God's words. Anyway, that's my soapbox for today. Let's go back to our decision making. I want to review where we came through because I'm not exactly sure where we left off. <laughs> All right, so um, this was the review from last week. But we started making this method. We talking through this biblical method, and we said the prerequisites for being able to make a good decision. So prerequisite meaning what is required to be in place in your life before you can make a good decision. You need to be saved. You need to be rightly related to God. If you're not saved. Okay, well, we got another conversation to talk about. Um, your, your life should be one of worshiping God. If your life is not, if worship is not a daily part of your life, you're not spending time with the God of the Bible. You're not spending time with God. It's going to be hard to understand what he's passionate about. It's going to be hard to understand uh, life and how to navigate anyway. Um, if there's any unknown sin, not unknown, if there's any known sin that you're refusing to deal with, you have an unrepentant heart, that needs to be dealt with. Um, and then really getting to what I was just saying a second ago about the word of God, that truth is sourced in God alone in his word. Um, and then remembering God as sovereign. Those are, under, those are things that are, have to be in place in your life and the way you think in order to make a biblical decision. Then we got into principles for making decisions. And all this is saying is looking at how did the things we talked about for the last seven weeks apply to making our decisions. Um, God's precepts, what we learn in his word, have bearing on all our, all our decisions. And then within that aspect of God's will, so remember God's will is everything that ever happens, but then particularly his precepts are also his will. Within that, we have freedom to do what we would like to do, but we should use our freedom purposefully in order to love others. Um, also considering our desires we talked about, and then we finally got into process. Um, I feel like we got through at least this slide. Oh, we got... Perfect. The way, the purposeful use of freedom. Got it. Got it. Good. Okay. So we, and then we walk through these, like, how do I look at principles of God's word versus just straight commands? And then this way, the purposeful use of freedom. Now, this is really just shortly, really summarizing what we said the week before last 
about freedom and wisdom in this world, asking yourself, when I think about my decisions, is this decision self-serving at the expense of someone else's benefit? Is this decision self-serving at the expense of someone else's benefit? If I look at Romans 15, 1 and 2, it says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. That should factor heavily into our decision-making. Is this decision being made because it'll elevate me, it makes me happy, it drives my agenda, or am I making this decision based on this, to build others up? I love verse 3 from Romans 15 because it gives you the reason why that command is there. It says, for Christ did not please himself. As it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So, second, will my choice affect others around me? Now, it will. <laughs> it's more like how. How is my decision I'm about to make going to influence others around me? Is this an occasion where my flesh, and that word is a biblical word, we're usually meaning our sinfulness. When you first come to Christ, he gives you a new heart. And in that new heart, you're, it doesn't like it, it's not like you're completely holy as soon as, it's not like you live out a holy, perfect life as soon as you're saved. You still have, what? Yeah, I know, right? There's still part of you, your flesh is still there and is getting kind of weeded away as you live the Christian life. But, and in fact, we need to think about, well, am I doing this just to please that old part of me? versus doing what Christ would want in my life. Galatians 5.13, I think, is, is really relevant there. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And finally, is it constructive? Will it promote the spiritual well-being of others? Oh, this is, this is a quote from Jerry Bridges in The Discipline of Grace. Will it promote the spiritual well-being of other believers if they engage in this practice that's permissible for me? All right. Questions, con uh, concerns, comments on this aspect of making decisions. Thinking about how should I use this freedom God has given me? Is it constructive? Yeah, well, the, I have this quote is, will it promote the spiritual well-being of other believers if they engage in this practice that's permissible for me? In other words, if you're trying to decide to do something that other people may disagree with, that may be difficult for them to do. It does, well, so I, I have one in mind that I'd actually toyed with working through a decision-making grid for. 
It's our favorite one to always talk about is Baptists. Dancing. Drinking. Drinking, not dancing. <laughs> Dancing's wrong if you're me. <laughs> I don't dance. As Phil Collins said, I can't dance. Um, drinking would be one. And I, I, look, I don't know if we'll have time to work through that one as, as a grid. I'd like to maybe, maybe come back to that in January and work through that because come back to that. But let's say maybe working at a place. That's, this is when you're asking me to make up something on the fly, an example of what I'm talking about. That's helpful. I need to... Uh, Keeps me on the fly, but I, go ahead, Matt. Um, I think a good example is is also about procedural things. So, for example, at a church, say I'm going to try to pick one that's not going to step on anybody's toes. Um, the way you do offering, right? Yeah. Now, somebody may go. The best way to do offering is boom, boom, boom. That's right. The best way to do it. And somebody else goes. Well, I think this is the best way to do it. At that moment, there's a decision that needs to be made. Yes. And suddenly these factors start to play in. And, and I think that what we can see in this is sometimes it's, it's less about the perfectly right way to do something according to you and yeah. more about is this actually beneficial to others. Yes. Yes. Right? Exactly. I, I think there's a lot of procedure. And it, that gets, that's where it gets tough because, because I know that, that in any body of people, you're going to get to some things that you feel passionate about that are, this is the best way or the right way to do it. Yep. And at some point, maybe it's not because maybe it's not the most beneficial thing for others. Yeah. That gets into a challenging situation because are there some things, though, that you would have to say, no, the right way must be the right way. But I think that Christ lays out these yeah. are the things that yeah. you can't bend on. Right. And then there's some things. But even with the drinking thing, I think comes well, in. Well, that yeah. can come that collides with what you're talking about when you're talking about do we use real wine for communion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, again, that collides the whole drinking thing with the procedural thing. Like, you can look at some of the mandates and some of what we think God put. Yeah. I mean, that's the best one. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'll talk about it just for a few minutes here. Uh, John. Okay, so let me, let me give it just a short little example on the, the issue of drinking alcohol. <clears throat> I think this is interesting because, and we'll get to this in, a, in a, another, another principle about this in a few minutes, but you can work through this method biblically and come to two different conclusions, Okay. I had a youth pastor growing up that I could not stand. I was a rebellious punk. 
and I would get into arguments with him right in Sunday school. Talk about disrespectful. I thought I knew everything. And I remember one Sunday school class, him saying, did you know that it is possible for me to do something that is not a sin for me to do, but it might be a sin for you to do? And I, my head exploded. Because, for one, I grew up in a church where there aren't gray areas. It felt like there weren't gray areas. I shouldn't, as I've gotten older, I realized that all I could see is what I wanted to see and hear what I wanted to hear. Right? And so, if I could go back and talk to those adults, they would say, yeah, there was gray areas. <laughs> we had convictions on certain things, sure. But my head exploded because I was in a world that said things are either black or white. And for him, as a, as a person who seemed to be very tightly wound, to say, there are some things that are, it's a sin for me and not a sin for the other person, I just couldn't get my head wrapped around that. And he went to Romans 14 and said, whatever is not of faith is sin. And we're, we're going to see how that applies later in our decision making. But I remember from that day on, like, and the context of that verse was people who can eat meat or not eat meat. Offered to idols, by the way. And I'm like, wait. So as we think about the issue of drinking alcohol, what I'm saying on this one right here is you could have as a fundamental principle that it is okay. Let me start at the beginning. You have to think about the biblical principles. I won't enter into this argument with you if you disagree that the Bible, if you tell me that the Bible always forbids the drinking of alcohol. I'm, I won't have time to talk about that. It's just not useful for us to get into that conversation because you cannot argue that from the Bible. If you think you can, okay, well, I, that's fine. You think that. I'm just not going to get into that argument with you. But if we can start off on a common ground that the Bible does not forbid alcohol but warns about its dangers then we can have a conversation on this, right? So starting at that starting point, I think you can go through this decision-making process and come to two different conclusions. But I would think that if you get to this point, both sides of this argument should come to this point and say that there are times I should not and there are times that it's okay, right? Because I want to think about how this would build up somebody or not, right? If... We have several people in our church that have struggled with alcohol, right? Addiction. If I brought, had them over to my house for dinner, I'm not going to open up a bottle of wine for them. <laughs> but it, it, this is unusual for me to do. You need to know, as your pastor, I don't have a problem with, with drinking alcohol. I, I think that you can do that responsibly and biblically and carefully, but there are times it's wrong for me to drink alcohol because it would be not helpful or constructive with this exact verse <laughs> to people, right? Now, I, I think, though, you could come to, through that whole biblical decision-making process that we're talking about here and say, it's never right for me to ever do it. Or some people will come through and say, I choose not to because I feel like the effect that it will have on others is destructive. But it's, you should not, as a Christian, come through and say, though, 
that that is exactly the same thing that everybody else should do. And that's, that's a very controversial thing I'm finding in my hometown to say, because having lived around the Midwest, especially in very German-influenced areas, I was blown away finding out that, oh, there are Baptists that drink beer? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, that blew my mind, and I had God worked on my heart and helped me think, because I left town as a rebel and, and used my freedom in ways that was stupid, just offensive. And then I, then I would like, well, maybe it's never right. And then I, it, I'm, you see where I'm going? It's just, it is not a very clear-cut area, but if you consider this every time you're making a decision that might be controversial, you should, you should consider this. You will be honoring God, I think, because you're going to say, you know what? It's not helpful at this point for me to do that because I want to love others and not tear them down, scare them, things like that. Now, Charity brought up another interesting topic related to that. Some, some theologians that, that Matt and I enjoy listening to have lately been making a very public case that they think the Bible teaches that you should always use real wine for communion. And they have some really interesting points when you read their article. But, I mean, Audrey and I, and I think you're bringing this point up too, we always get back to, well, in my church, is that going to be a problem? <laughs> right? Now, here's the thing to noodle on a little bit, and I don't have an answer for you on this, because I'm not saying we, ever, we should switch from that. I don't know. Before 1860-something, uh, it was after the Civil War, before that, the church... The world did not have grape juice. It didn't exist. It didn't exist. A guy named Dr. Welch. Dr. Welch made it. He he figured out how to pasteurize fruit juice to make or fruit to make a fruit juice that wasn't alcohol, alcoholic because he was in the temperance movement. It didn't exist. So prior to the 1850, were there people that struggled with alcohol? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and did the church use alcohol for their communion? Yes. Always. So, they, the church has had to wrestle with that. I'm not ready to wrestle with that, y'all. I'm going to still keep using grape juice because that's just too, too heavy, I think, for us to work through. For this reason right here. Unless my dad doesn't change the grape juice often. <laughs> we have had that happen once. Then it might be. <laughs> it tasted more bad than... <laughs> John. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, that, how that really in, there's an interpersonal space between a Christian and a government mm-hmm. what is right with mm-hmm. the Bible mm-hmm. what is right with the government mm-hmm. and that really gets sticky oh yeah but, um, well, so I, you are exactly right so m- the distinction between medical marijuana and recreational marijuana and using marijuana for medical reasons at all I think Christians could probably disagree on that topic I didn't used to think that but I've had friends that deal with incredible chronic pain and have found taking a pill that doesn't get them high but somehow eases their pain. I go, okay, well, that's tricky. <laughs> my, my, my old, one of my friends I went through seminary with casually from his sermons would say, put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. Well, <laughs> charity. 
this is definitely telling people consider others in your decision making, right? Yes. So what do you, how would you advise a perplexed people pleaser? Because I would say that yes. I would need a section that is how do you make decisions where you're not so wound up with how do I, you know, like, how do I make a decision when I'm thinking about everyone else? Yeah, I, that's a great question. So here's the thing, and Audrey asked me a similar question. I think maybe it might have been during our class last week or afterwards. You can't just take this section alone, Charity. Yeah. You can't. Everything in this method, you have to do in some form or another. Like, some of these things you're going to find, like, I don't have to sit down and think through this method when I pick out my outfit in the morning. But if I'm first realizing that I don't do anything in my life uh, thinking about what God would be honored about, I might actually need to start taking this method and thinking about it when I pick out my outfit in the morning. <laughs> but eventually I'll get to the point where, okay, I know what God says and I can live rightly and apply, apply principles. So there's more in this than simply the pleasing of others. So for instance... When you think about the biblical principles that you find related to the decision-making, those will have heavy influence on what it means to love others. Because it may not be what the others like. To love them, to build them up is not to make them happy. It means to do what's right and good for them. Right? That's really important. When it says to build them up, well, to build my son up means I discipline him. Right? I, I, I withdraw things that they like. Well, as a people pleaser, and I mean that in the, like the loose way, I don't mean like biblically living to please and help others. That would mean I, I'm not going to do things just to make them like me. And honestly, people pleasing usually actually really gets back to you. Because you, right, you, you, it comes across like I want to keep everybody happy. No. You want everybody happy so that you don't feel unhappy, so that you don't think they don't like you, right? Or you don't have to deal with the backlash. Right. Like the rejection or whatever. Yeah. So this is interesting to look at this, and, and I, I'm hearing it, but then I'm also like having all the people in my, as a sinful people pleasing in recovery, that's my addiction, <laughs> but having people in my ear that are like, you have to stop thinking about what everyone else what everyone, so then I'm like, I'm in this crazy place where I'm like, but I do live to love others. Yeah. But I appreciate what you're saying. And really with kids, this is, this is, that's been the big thing. Like, yeah. am I willing to do the hard thing when I want to please my children? Yeah, I want them to be happy and think I'm the best dad ever. Yeah, well, yeah. I am the best dad, guys, but. <laughs> Todd. Get, get all this way back. Does that answer your question? I've tried to expand on not just that last bullet, but. Cool. All right, let's go to the next principle. Consultation. Um, let me, there, I, there's a whole string of Proverbs references there because Proverbs is chocked full of wisdom from God on how to make good decisions. But Proverbs 19.20 is a good example of from that list. It says in the ESV, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. 
<laughs> there you go. I mean, that, that to me is the, the point of this part of the process. And by the way, I, I didn't say this last week, and I should have, because every time I teach this material, I usually say this at the beginning of talking about the method. What these steps are, they're not linear. What I mean by that is you don't have to do this step before you can do point F. <laughs> I just have no nonlinear way of writing things down. <laughs> Everything has to flow out linearly anyway. So my point is, is you may start with consultation. You may, you're, for consultation, you may go and say to your, your pastor, what does the word of God say about this? Because I want to think biblically about this, right? You follow me? So don't think that I have to do all this work on my own before I ever ask for help, <laughs> okay? Um, but you want to get help from a source of authority in your life, pastors, parents, spiritually mature people, and people who are recognized experts in that field. Now, I say that carefully because we've come through a couple of years of recognized experts. Okay, we take that with a grain of salt. But I also think it's foolish, foolishness of us to say, here, let me go, I'll go there with the science thing. Okay, to trust the science I'm not a scientist, right? So I can't read a scholarly article and tell you certain things here are wrong, but I can read a scholarly article myself, even if it's out of a field that I'm an expert in, and look for logic issues and issues with the way a study was conducted, right? So I don't have to be a scientist to know when I don't know if I need to trust this person <laughs> because of other things. But back to that, my point is, is there needs a dose of humility to say, there's a reason why that person has the letter CPA or CFP, Certified Financial Planner, behind their name because they have worked for years in learning how to handle finances and investments well. I have not, as my wife has seen right now. <laughs> just interesting thing, dynamic side rabbit trail here. I've been handling the finances since about 2008. We moved to Kentucky. It was around the time I handed off, and it was a horrible year. It was a rough year, and I was like, I can't do it. I did pretty well for many years. I've fallen off the wagon, folks. It's bad. I, last year, this year has been the year of living dangerously. Like, I have no idea. I've been just trusting God. <laughs> It's so bad. And, and so she, she's like, can I, can I take that on? I don't think she asked me. She just said she started doing it. <laughs> and it's been good. I, it's going to be good. It'll be helpful for us. I have no idea why I brought that up, though. What did I say that led me down that path? Consultation. You're not a CPA. Oh, yeah, yeah. CFP. Thank you, Matt. There you go. That's pretty good for ADD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're actually... That's, that's the letter after my name. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like... My, the point is, it's okay to go even to somebody, a, like a financial planner that's not a Christian. Now, you need to, if you go to them and they tell you some advice, don't just say, okay, that's what I'm going to go do because the expert said so. Getting back to my point that I said to charity, that advice has to be factored into the whole, pra the whole package because as a Christian Let's say you want to sell all your possessions and go to Iran. Your CFP may say, that is stupid. 
And you say, well, okay, but I'm going to go do it. <laughs> so you see what I'm saying? But you, this is all of the package. Don't, don't close your ears to what people with wisdom are saying. Um, Amy Carmichael was an amazing person, had a lot to teach us as Christians. She was stubborn and didn't listen to authorities in her life. She said, God's calling me to go do this thing. And the pastors, right? Am I right? The pastors in her life said, no, that's not. You shouldn't do that. And she went and did it. Now, God blessed her even in her doing. But I think on judgment, what's that? She, did suffer she suffered consequences in the, this life for those decisions. But she, you know, God may say, you know what? I used you. You love me. But you didn't handle this well. And, and, and knowing that, well, I could still do my own way and God will save me and bring me through. That's, that's like Paul says, well, should we sin all the more because of grace? He goes, by no means. <laughs> we don't do that, right? Okay, I'm preaching, I feel like, today. What did this lady do? So she was a missionary, right? You want to just come? She was a missionary to India. And Amazing woman. Cross, Amazing. Amazing. The next level. But I think this is a, a great thing too. I was just thinking this. So she was greatly used by God in missions and orphanages um, and had some really interesting, encouraging writings. But I was just thinking this morning about how much I'm frustrated with a, a thing called the Gospel Coalition these days. If you don't know who they are, that's okay. Um, I love them in the beginning. I'm very frustrated with them right now. I know what it prompted me to. I was listening to a song on a playlist they put together, and it's all hippie. I don't know what the word is for it, but I was just thinking about, okay, these guys have drifted so far from where I was at. But if I ask them what they believe, they, they're trusting Jesus only for their salvation. They believe that the Bible is inerrant and that God, there's only one way to heaven, like my point on that is, 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 as much as I get frustrated with what they're doing, God's using them. And there are other churches, believe it or not, in this town that God is using, <laughs> even when I can't stand some of their methods. Um, and I think that actually should be factored in when you think about your decision making. And anyway, that's definitely not under consultation. Let's uh, Affirm that your desires are God-honoring. Remember I said you got to think about what is it you want? And we looked at all those passages where the, the Apostle Paul and even in the Old Testament, you do, if you want to do this, if you like to do this, that's good. That your desire should be factored in. In fact, in talking about, I, when I have young men, my nephew comes to me occasionally and thinks, I, I, he said, I think I'm being called to be a pastor. When guys do that, I almost almost go into this mode of no, don't. <laughs> and if they really want to, 
then it's going to be hard to argue with them out of that <laughs> because that is not a, an area of calling you just casually get into. But my point is, is if they don't have the desire, I've, this young man that I was talking to, he had been, he'd hear these chapel services at his Christian college and they would get him all emotionally amped up and he thinks he's supposed to be a pastor instead of a computer programmer. And I said to him, I said, well, do you want to be a pastor? Well, no, but I feel like I should. Well, mm, don't be doing that then. <laughs> and I would say that for any field, <laughs> like other than like callings you have to be in, like, well, do you want to be a dad? Not really. Well, are you a dad? Well, tough. <laughs> so this doesn't always work logically, right? But in certain, um, your desires really matter. And Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll grant you, give you the desires of your heart. I really believe that the idea there isn't that, well, I really want this Lamborghini. If I love Jesus enough, I'm going to get it. I don't think that's what that's talking about. I do think as you delight in the Lord and find your joy in him, he shapes those desires. And so thinking through your decision, ask yourself, is the thing I want really in itself my want, a God-honoring want? Um, after you've done all that, here's the mind-blowing answer. So if you look at your methods, uh, the method, you've got a whole bunch of steps here. After you've done those things, and only after you've done those things, here's the next step. Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. There's the, you're not going to get out of God's decreed will, are you? There is nothing you can do that can get out of that. You've already checked to see, am I living within his precepts? So, and I've thought through, well, is this going to help others? If you've done all that, then do what you'd like to do. If you're faced with two options and they're both pretty good and you've weighed through the decision, pick the one you want to do more than the other. Now, let's, uh, let me give you a quote from Augustine. He says, love God and do whatever you please. You get the, the, uh, the little tension there? You can't do whatever you please if you don't love God because that's not going to go well. But if you love God, then do whatever you please. Todd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is true. This, so true. Yes, exactly. In, in terms of my computer programming, we talk about functions that do things and functions have inputs. And then the function, once it does the thing it's going to do, has an output. Um, how you put the parts into this process of making a decision, it doesn't have to be linear. But the output thing, when you get to this last step, they don't do this last step as Todd says. Do you do all those other things? Because it's... We've seen that happen. I mean, I, that was my life for most of my years as a young, as a boy. <laughs> I do what I want to do <laughs> until I get my, my rear end spanked. And then like, okay, well, I'll just make sure that they don't catch me doing that the next time. Okay. However, if you can't decide. So 
let's say you're faced with both options and you really don't like either option, but they're the right options, or you get to them both and you like them equally, what do you do? Well, gather more data. Don't do any, don't move further. Um, it may be that you still, there may be more things that God wants you to figure out. Consider what God is passionate about. Remember we talked about the will of God and all those things. And that, if you think about what God's passionate about, that might lean you one way or the other. And then finally, this holding principle. I already referenced it. Romans, or, 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 yeah, Romans 14, 23 says this. Whatever, I mean, let me just get there instead of memorizing it here. Whoever doubts, has doubts, is condemned if he eats. So he's talking about the context of deciding whether to eat food offered to idols. Because the eating is not from faith. And then this last part, he says, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. In other words, if you in good conscience, believing that God will not be honored if I make this decision, then hold, hold, don't move forward until you know that you can move forward with that. If you can't go forward with it and knowing like, I'm still not sure. I, this is where the whole peace thing, when I said it was a bad, making your decision based on whether you have peace or not. If you get to this point, like, I don't have peace about making this decision. Hold, just wait, go back, ask God to direct, and then come back and say, okay, now can I make the decision? And sometimes, you know, it's crazy how many things, this is, here, here he is again, the poor illustration man. When he and I met a couple of weeks ago for breakfast, there were two options on the table, Montezuma and Lebanon. And he said, well, I've got this other interview coming up here on Monday. I don't think it's going to be anything, but we mainly talked about the other two decisions. He could have, I think you could have taken an offer from Lebanon, couldn't you, at that point? He hadn't. Then he went to this interview, and that's now where he's employed starting one month tomorrow. <laughs> right? Okay. I haven't gotten the look yet. It's kind of crazy. Oh, because Jeff's tying him up talking to him. Okay. I would love to walk through more examples, um, maybe, uh, if I haven't figured out. By, so next week, we have our, our business meeting, and then we're going to have two Sundays off for the holidays. We'll just have our service, no Sunday school. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to start next in January, so I may actually have one little list, just kind of talk through this again and say, oh, how does it look again? Did I see you have a hand up? I, well, I started to, but... No, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, if you're going to do, you're going to do examples next week? I, well, it'd be... In January. <laughs> that's, it's crazy to think, but that's what's next. Yeah. Um, I think a great example that would be fun to work through is leaving a church. Oh, leaving a church or picking a church. Picking Maybe we could do both. That, that would be great. Let me pray, and then we'll be dismissed. God, I thank you that you uh, are patient with us, and I know that we don't make perfect decisions. Only you do. Um, and yet you give us grace and enable us to um, decide and freedom to do that and we trust you in that and um, we just thank you for the privilege it is to gather with each other this morning to worship you in Jesus name amen